This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Used to do that to us in Winnipeg. Pain in the ass. We had some heavy, heavy guys in Winnipeg, and we'd go after it. That would score the same way. Two minutes left on the clock after agitating the entire bench. He is a gifted, gifted man. Head coach of the Florida Panthers, Paul Maurice, they're speaking about Matthew Kachuk, who did it once again. 4.9 seconds on the clock. Stunner on the power play against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, sweeping a series that was incredibly co- close, incredibly tight. And as we're here from Bro- Rod Brendamore, uh, as the show goes on here, could have went either way. Uh, but a sweep it was. Four games in, four games out for the Florida Panthers, and four wins. Paul's Panthers is what I'm now referring to them now, Jim Toth as, uh, are <laughs> off to the Stanley Cup. The fight for the Stanley Paul's- Cup. Paul's Panthers. Paul's Panthers. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I'm a big fan of alliteration, so yeah. well done. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I thought, uh, you know, as soon as it ended and he's off to the Stanley Cup final, I believe 17 months after walking away from the Winnipeg Jets, that I thought of that great scene in uh, Goodwill Hunting for a lot of uh, people. You like apples? Well, how about them apples? Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. Look, it's it's nothing personal. Uh, we've been over this over and over again. Paul Maurice felt the team needed a new voice. He felt that in the off season, and as those first two months went on, he felt it was more clear than ever. Uh, I think he needed a break. I think that the team needed a break from him, as he stated, and they went their separate ways. But I, I don't know anybody why you can't be happy for Paul Maurice and the thing that he has accomplished now with the Florida Panthers and his team. He's right about to chuck. He's up for the Hart Trophy nod. And I think if it wasn't for the best player in the planet playing in Edmonton, two of them, that he would win it this year. But, you know, points matter and everything else. But I'll argue if if you take the Connor McDavid off the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they're still a playoff team. And and I would argue that if you take Matthew to chuck off the Florida Panthers and maybe even with Huberto and Weger there, I'm not sure they make the playoffs. But Elliot Freeman pointed this out last night too, Cam, and it stood out. If it wasn't for, I think, the New York Islanders beating the Pittsburgh Penguins um, in the final game of the regular season, this never would have happened. They would not have made the playoffs. It's it's got to be one of the most epic runs. The only one I can think of is that Stanley Cup championship uh, Los Angeles Kings, who I believe got in on the last day of the regular season and then won a Stanley Cup. And, and we'll wait to see what the Florida Panthers can do. But I, I just think it's it's a phenomenal story. Um, it, it has so many Winnipeg ties to it. The, the fact that, you know, Paul Maurice has moved on and, and sort of done this. And for everybody who always argued with me that um, he's not a good coach and his uh, all-time losing record, I just think, again, you have to look at the rosters. And Mike Kelly, um, who does such great work, and I, I retweeted this yesterday afternoon, if anybody wants to go to Jim Tos, at Jim Tos Sports on Twitter, put out a two-minute package of what this Florida Panthers team is doing in the playoffs, describing how um, Paul Maurice described it in his opening press conference. So before the season even started, and and you and I talk about this, Cam, 
people like to some people like to knock Paul Maurice for how eloquently he speaks. And they think that he can talk circles around the media and all this. And you and I have mentioned this several times. If you actually listen to what he was saying in the nice, beautiful, illustrious ways he can speak, he is bang on on what he addresses in a game and everything else. Mm -hmm. And in Mike Kelly's talk, he has clips from his opening introductory press conference in Florida well before the season started on what they wanted to do and how highly skilled players can sometimes kill themselves by holding the puck for too long. And he points out the fact that they went from a possession team to a dumping team and how they went from like 27th in the league to fourth overall where he had to convince they the, shot the, the puck end. a lot too. They're big time shooting yeah. team. Yeah. And, and so he said that he basically in the off season was looking at this team that he called, I hate to put, you know, I I'm misquoting him, but I hate to put, you know, mud tires on a Ferrari, but they have to learn to play in the playoffs. Yeah. And what he did by that was give up a ton of possession with the dump in game, knowing that they had the players to get the puck back on turnovers. And, and I highly encourage anybody to go to that Mike Kelly, um, two twenty of information, including the clips in the pregame preseason, what he was going to do. And he says it took him all season to get the team to play this way, but he did it the lot, got to him the last month and a half. The team finally honed that, that style of play and system. And they're very successful with this in the playoffs. So it's, I think it's a great story, whether it's Paul Maurice or not for a new coach to go in there, barely get in the playoffs and then go right to the final um, over like yeah. the other part of this cam and I'm going on and on, but the other part of this that stands out to me is they haven't gotten any help with this. Like they, they didn't get past Boston and then face Tampa Bay, who was really tired and beaten up from three seasons of Stanley cup finals <laughs> like yeah. in, in the second round. Yeah. And they certainly, they've played the number one team in the national hockey league, the number fourth team in the national hockey league. And now the number two team in the national hockey league and advance to the Stanley Cup final. It's not like they had in a round or two another upset that they could go up against a weaker opponent. Yeah. They've done this against three of the top four teams in the National Hockey League. And if they're going to, and, you know, likely their opponent's going to be the team that finished fourth is going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I mean, that's not going to be, uh, or, you know, fifth, I should say, and it's not going to be absolutely anything new for them. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember the one game, I watched a few Panthers games over the course of the season, but I remember the last one that I watched in the regular season, they were playing Dallas and they were so woefully, they were just, they weren't playing defense at all. I remember there was one goal that Dallas scored. I think it was Jason Robertson and I'm not exaggerating. They had all five players on all five of the Panthers and Matthew Kachuk was one of them. They were all along the boards at the exact same time. And like, that's how quick the turnaround's been. Right. And, and you, you mentioned the situation, uh, you know, of, of how they made the playoffs. Well, we can even go back to the postseason here, Jim, to game seven against, they were a minute away uh, from being eliminated by the Bruins there. They were, they were down. They had to force overtime and Brandon Montour had to score there. And then Verhege scores in overtime. And then you know, they have 11 wins in their last 12 games. They're six for six in overtime. They're eight wins in a row on the road. And and just like you said, they've eliminated the Bruins, Leafs, Hurricanes. You know, it's 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 really really impressive. And I and I wonder, Jim, and and I want to ask you this question. And I because I know how these voters, you know, I think they look at it season by season. They goes, oh well, it's season by season. I don't think so. I think that Matthew Kachuk, based on what's happening now, I think he earns points maybe next year 
if he has if he has anywhere close to a season as he did as he had this year in the regular season on that team, I think he'll I think he's going to win. I think he'll win the well, I think he'll win the league awards. I I I I genuinely believe that if you play like this in the playoffs, you gain points when it comes to the next the the next voting for the Art Ross or whatever. Well, here's the argument, right? Because like Jonathan Huberto had 115 points last year, and and Matthew Tuchuk has 109 in the regular mm-hmm. season. Connor McDavid's the best player on the planet. There's no argument about that. And he set a record for points and everything like that. But my point to points is, is like Jonathan Huberto did it one year. And then his point total was cut in The half. Hart Trophy, I should say. I said the Art Ross, but I meant the Hart Trophy. trophy yeah. I'll never argue against Connor McDavid being the best player in the world. But to me, the Hart Trophy is for the most valuable player to your team. And with 109 points on an eight seed... And then again, playoff doesn't matter, but he has 21 points in 16 games in in three rounds of the playoffs. If it wasn't for Sergei Bobrovsky, he'd be the clear front runner for the Conn Smythe Trophy. And that includes whoever comes out of Vegas, Dallas. Mm -hmm. And Rupe Hintz is having a really good series and everything like that. But here's why he's the MVP to me. And, And why Paul Maurice, a couple of weeks ago, when he helped eliminate Boston, said he's just a gamer. He said there's 700 players in this league and he's just a gamer. And we all know how Paul Maurice felt about him when he played in Calgary. And they he helped knock Mark Shifley out of that bubble series with Calgary that they lost. But he's one of those players you hate to play against and you love to have. But here's the thing that stands out to me. In this four-game sweep against Carolina, he has the game-winning goal in games one, two, and four. And he has assisted on the game-winning goal in game three. Yeah. In all four of these games that Florida has won, he has either scored the game-winning goal in three of them or been in on the game-winning goal in the other one. That's a gamer, right? Like that's uh, and I'm not knocking Connor Hellebuck, but there were games in the playoffs, especially against Vegas, where they needed a gamer, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not saying Hell or sorry, Hellebuck, Connor McDavid. I'm not saying McDavid isn't. But there's stuff you can't quantify that Tuchuk brings to the ice. And there's certain ga- – Justin Williams was like that, and he never scored half the points Tuchuk did in his career. Yeah. But that's why he got the nickname Mr. Game 7 when it's on the line. And there's something – I don't know how to describe it, Cam. A je, a je ne sais quoi. A little sprinkle of pixie dust. A je ne sais quoi. And I'm going to – pardon my other bad French here, but there's something badass about a guy like oh, that. There's that's something not good like French. There's something about the, the that guy's a dude, right? Like he he's not only a gamer, <laughs> but man, if you're you know to take it to if you're in the back alley and things are getting heated, you're looking yeah. at Matthew to Chuck. If you need a goal and things look dire and things look out of control or out of hand, he just he's it's what Maurice said. He's a gamer, and yeah. that's why I think that like he's a con- even over Bobrovsky. And I don't want to take anything away from Bobrovsky because he's a big reason for this. But through the course of the regular season, the reason they were in the eighth seed was a lot of responsibility from Sergei Bobrovsky. He wasn't even the starter for the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. So Tuchuk is just like he's a gamer, and and I just like I highly respect the guy because that goal last night. Like that, a lot of guys would just go, just don't turn it over, get some shots on net, and let's go to overtime. Yeah. Not to Chuck. He's like, no, I'm going to end this. That's what I want. I want this to end before overtime. And that's, you can't quantify it. He's just, he's a great player, whether you love him or hate him. Let's take a break. When we come back following sports, we're going to play a quick clip. We'll hear from Rod Brendamore and his thoughts uh, after the game. And uh, yeah, the Eastern Conference final has not been good to the Carolina Hurricanes. What has their, uh, 
record been over the last three times they've been there? Well, I'll tell you that coming up after sports. Don't go away. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. You know, that, that's the unfortunate part of this is he's going to look back and everyone's going to say he got swept. And That's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're, we're in the game. We didn't get – we didn't lose four games. We, we got beat, but it's, you know, we were right there and this could have went the other way and this could have been four games the other way. Rod Brendamore, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, trying to describe how you can have a series played so tight but come out uh, losers of, of four in a row there. Uh, Jim, I, I pulled this stat here. The Carolina Hurricanes have lost 12 straight Eastern Conference final games. Do you know what years those were? Okay, we. <laughs> I guess we've we've lost Jim. I think we. Uh, uh, I think he's out. But uh, of course, this year, of course, they got swept uh, against Sorry, the Panthers. Yeah, you, no, go ahead, go ahead, go did, ahead. Did you, you stub your toe or something? You had to turn off the mic because you were <laughs> I screaming for, expletives. I forgot, to, I forgot. I forgot to turn on the mic. To be honest. Oh, with okay. You. Uh, do you know the Carolina Hurricanes? Four hundred years of broadcasting. <laughs> I forgot to turn on the mic. Have lost twelve straight Eastern Conference final games. No. They have. Tell. Uh, yeah. They of course they got swept this time. They uh, lost to the they've Bruins. Been, yeah. yeah, they've been swept three straight times in the Eastern That's Conference right. Final. Eighteen. Okay, tw- this obviously this year by the Panthers. Eighteen and nineteen by the Bruins four years ago, and then the last time was oh eight oh nine. Got swept in four games by the Penguins. Who was the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes at that time? Paul Maurice. It was none other. And Paul Maurice is leading Paul's Panthers to the Stanley uh, Cup. Paul's Panthers. I do need to correct myself. It was the Blackhawks who beat Pittsburgh to help the Carolina Hurricanes get in, or sorry, the Florida Panthers get into the postseason, not um, the Islanders. I said the Islanders. It was the Islanders that the, the Blackhawks beating Pittsburgh helped both the Islanders and the Panthers actually make the playoffs. You want to talk the two-game suspension with Ben uh, next break? After we I, talk with I, DT? I certainly do, yes. Uh, Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's going to be with us after this. Latest from Bomber Training Camp. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Jim Toth. What's shaking? Yes, sir. A lot changed since I last spoke to you two, three minutes ago. <laughs> Five minutes changed, ago. Yes. Life's changed. I saw some things, lived through some stuff. Uh, had a couple drinks, saw a couple things, as they say on Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> yeah. Ray used to say that. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, no, I excited. Uh, Bomber camp winding down, and then this. Uh, I mean, we could know who's in the Stanley Cup final tonight, and and that would be exciting too. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by how Dallas bounces back from this suspension for Jamie Ben, or if they can, if they can get up off the mat from this and force a game five, it'd be interesting, but uh, lots to get to on Bombers camp. Yeah, too, so we'll good get, half hour coming up. We'll get to that after a conversation here with Derek Taylor, bringing him on the show, but that's a, that's a gut punch. That's a gut punch. Uh, Derek Taylor voice, the Winnipeg blue bombers with us. Blue bomber training camp reports brought to you by stars air ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Uh, Derek, how you doing? A little warmer uh, at IG field. I hope for you today. Much better. The breeze is, the breeze is still here, but the sun is out and it's shining. And then, to hear Jeff Braun deliver those temperatures of 30 and 31, that's going to be great. I will not be here. It will be in Edmonton, obviously, for the game, but I certainly hope you guys enjoy it and I don't curse your living souls at all for having the weather while I'm out of town. 
Uh, you know what? Let's I, just start with that. Sorry, Ken, but I, I wanted to, we, we got cut off for the yesterday. We lost the connection DT, but I mean, it, just talk about that. We all know it's the CFL and we all look forward to those playoff games in, in October and, and whatnot, but that's weird for the first week of training camp to go through this weather change that these players have seen. And I always love the stories of players who don't even know how to spell Winnipeg, let alone know where Canada is to come up and experience something like that. Like the, it had to be a bizarre week for some players. Yeah, for sure. Because the first week, like I remember one of the one of the running backs wearing long sleeves the first day, but after that it was hot. Like it was, it felt like I think it was mid twenties. So for them, like you know, seventy eight, eight, seventy six degrees. Like they'd have been just laughing. But then all of a sudden it turns, and one day it was seven Celsius. Oh, congratulations! Uh, thanks for coming to Canada. I know you played at Florida Atlantic and really have never left the southeastern U.S. But uh, welcome to Canada. Yeah, it, it's it's a stark reminder when when November playoff time rolls around. But but yeah, today uh, today no problem. Doesn't doesn't look like the weather at any point really affected practice at all. But just for for those of us whose job it is to sit here for three hours, uh, I, I hope people shed a tear for me. Just a little little tear, little violin music, just, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I definitely have that out for you. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously uh, Brady Oliveira and and Jackson Jeffco, they're they're not going to be making the trip to Edmonton. That that's that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But coming back to June second against Saskatchewan, are are we now in, in you know? In, in the side where it is highly unlikely that we're not going to see these guys suit up for any games in the preseason. I, that's my feeling. And as you guys know, the Bombers don't talk about injuries. They just don't talk about it. But Brady Oliveira practiced on day one of camp. We're now at day 12, and he hasn't practiced since then. Jackson Jeffcoat, it was three or four days of camp, and he hasn't practiced since then. So, uh, like you say, no, no, no reason you're taking them on Saturday. I don't Jackson doesn't need reps like he's one of those guys that coach will say some guys don't need reps some guys know their job well enough I don't need to see them play Jackson to me falls in that category because Brady though is the question he's had obviously he's had multiple years with the Bombers three seasons with the Bombers but one year as the starter and what was it 18 starts last season plus the playoff I don't know if I would say he falls into that same category um he had a real fantastic you know, third of the season turn last year where he became a really solid runner after a tentative start. Uh, but I, I think my impression as a fan is I would like to see him get some more reps in camp. So to me, it's got to be something nagging or whatever it might be that's, that's keeping him away from this. I would love to see him get reps in the, in the SAS game. Even if he doesn't, I feel like he is the day one starter if he's healthy. But yeah, I, I, I would I would uh, have liked to have the opportunity to have him get some more reps if I'm a fan. I, I just love it if they just gave a little bit. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. just a, just a taste, like just a tiny little bit of info. Uh, but that's just not yeah. how they roll. Yeah, and it's and Michael Shea uh, just wants wants guys uh, privacy protected, right? We yeah. I, it was it was funny. It was last season. Uh, funny being a relative term, but uh, we we saw Mercy Maston go down in training camp, and I was here going. Oh, that dude just tore his Achilles. That's unfortunate. Uh, but we didn't we didn't learn he was out for the year until like five months later. And you're like, oh, well, we knew it five months ago, but we couldn't say it for sure. And now the Bombers finally released it because they value guys' privacy and they're they're taking care of the players first uh, over us. Which, as an organization, I, I suspect players really do appreciate. So what, who are you looking for to like with the roster that's going to be going uh, DT, what, what are some of the names that you kind of look at and go, I'll watch this or I'll watch that. 
Yeah, so we, we don't have the roster that's going yet because, again, the, the Bombers will keep that to themselves for a little bit. But I, I am no, I know that. At, but I, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I just meant like, like of, of the ones that you assume would be going, and I agree with you. Like we all know the vets won't, and and stuff like that. I'm just wondering, yeah. like, is there anybody sort of you've stood out so far that's going to get a shot? You think that you'll be like, I'm going to keep an eye on this person. Yeah, there's there's a couple in the defensive backfield that I want to see because uh, they're both playing the corner and they both have experience in the return game, and we've seen them a little bit so far in camp do it. Uh, Matt Cole is one. He's been a corner with the second team, and he's a guy with, you know, some NFL pass. But he's a he's a short stature, but but strong and fast dude that I'm excited to see. And Abu Dharami is a guy who's playing the other corner with the second team. He just had the most. He had just had the play of training camp thus far, uh, pulling in an interception where he reaches around the receiver, tapped the ball up in the air tapped it with his other hand, then tapped it a third time three away from the receiver and then caught it and took off the other way. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe that he just made that play actually happen. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at because I think there is, as much as they have some great players returning at defensive back, I think there's some room for guys who can contribute on specials and play defensive back. And maybe they could honestly knock off one of the guys who was with the team last year. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, American defensive tackle, the, I know we've talked about, uh, is a big deal. Caleb Turner, Keenan Agnew, what can those guys look like in a potential backup to Ricky Walker spot? And then uh, is there any – the Bombers already have six guys who could start at receiver. Is there any value? Is there another receiver who might be able to, you know, receiver returner kind of, kind of role, the guys that I'm looking for on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Derek, um, who who's gonna be who's gonna be at quarterback? Like, what, what guys are you gonna be looking at going for that third string spot? Yeah, so I I suspect um, just based on last year. Last year it was Drew Brown and Dakota Prukop who went to the road game and they split the game. So uh, my impression is uh, it's Drew Brown, and whether they give him a certain number of series or say Drew, you're the guy for the first half. Uh, my guess, Drew Brown's going to be the starter. Then they'll take Tyrell Pigram and Josh Jones, and I would suspect give them a section of time because if you don't, you're you're running out of time. Zach would probably get some reps at least in the home game, and then work from there. So uh, my my guess, and I'm I'm just guessing here because they're flip flopping kind of three and four, number third and fourth quarterback as they go through. So I would suspect Brown for maybe close to a half, and then let's give Tyrell Pigram some reps, and then. Uh, let's give Josh Jones some reps and see what, what happens from there. See if one of those guys can separate themselves for who's number three or who's number four. Or uh, I've seen it before in camp that the guy you thought was going to be number two was all of a sudden not number two because the other guys look so good. So kind of uh, anything can happen between the three QBs on Saturday. Uh, Bomber training camp report is brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Uh, DT, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Derek, thanks so much, man. You take care. Yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Absolutely. Talk now, tomorrow. Now now try and now try and stay cool, Derek, as opposed to stay warm. Oh, other side of the pillow over here, Tills. Other side of the pillow. <laughs> of course. Other uh, side of the pillow. That's a guy heading out in the road when he's talking to the pillow. Oh sides. yeah. Oh yeah. You absolutely know that. Um anyways, thanks a lot, Derek. Uh there he goes. Um shifting back to hockey here. Um Jamie Benn has been suspended for two games uh, for his uh, hit uh, on Mark Stone uh, two minutes, less than two minutes into the game. 
falls forward as he explained it, uh, you know, trying to break his fall, I guess, with his with his stick, uh, ends up landing on uh, Mark Stone's neck. Um, no, of course, that story's nobody's body. He's trying to save himself. He's trying to get back in the action. That's the hero, and he's got he had a hearing coming up when he when he had that conversation here. Uh, but if you haven't seen the hit, make sure you see it. I think everybody has seen it by now, uh, but you can find it all over the place. But it's it's definitely worth worth checking out. And Jim, also, I think worth uh, two games. It's not often I say it, but I think the NHL players' uh, safety. I think they got this one right. Yeah, to be honest with you, I think it should have been four. I think in the regular season it would have been three or four, but two games in the playoffs is is good. And um, I, I don't know, like I, I don't know how Jamie Ben does this. I don't know how he does it that early in a game, and I don't know how he does it as a captain of the team. And and so I, I think that I, it would not surprise me. Like I don't think they're going to pull this series out now. Um, I, I'm fascinated by tonight's game cam, but mm-hmm. it would not surprise me if Jamie Ben's not the captain of the Dallas stars next year. He has one year no. left at nine and a half. I mean, we saw that with Blake Wheeler this year. Like it's this, this is a different sort of situation, but it, last year of your contract and at that age, now that what we've also seen is you take the captaincy away from Jamie Ben. I'm pretty sure the players still, you know, think he's the captain and, and everything else, but I just, I don't know. And I know he's lost his temper at points throughout his career. I've just, again, if it was the third period or they were down 4-2 or something, to do it that early in the game, I, I just believe he cost them the game and the game they had to win. And because they didn't win it in part because of this, the series. And I just don't know how you bounce back. You know, you know you, you, I, he, yeah, you, you just feel, you feel real rotten about this game. I think if you're a player or you're a Dallas Stars fan, based on what happened, I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, <laughs> I know it's nothing to do with it, but you know uh, 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 the Barkman incident in in Wrigley Field. You know uh, Moses uh, uh, Abdu, and he's trying to catch the ball. I mean, it, it just like all of a sudden, this 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 sense, this feeling started to come over the entire all of Wrigley Field back in in that series, all the way back when. And um, but it, it some it's it's an incident where it's it's like. It's it might to me, Jim, be too much of a gut punch. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just because if you're a player on that team, I understand you back each other up in your locker room and, and you're in tough, you've been through a lot. But if you're a player on that team and and especially if you're looking at the guy wearing the seat, you gotta be disappointed with him. Like you, you have to be. I mean, doing something like that, just as you That's said, what I mean. two I... minutes into the game, um, and then just to and then just to do something like that and, and put your team down and now you're out for two act, games, you know? The act alone, I think, like, teammates can understand. Like, players get frustrated. Players get upset. It's a long playoff series. It's this. It's that. I, I think teammates understand that. What I don't think teammates understand is the fact that you do it two minutes into a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a game that you have to win. Like, I think what teammates understand is, guys, it's it's we're down 2-0. This is an important game. Let's not do anything dumb. But let's play our you know butts mm-hmm. off and let's get this win. I think that's what they – and then two minutes into it, our captain's gone and we got to kill off a five-minute power play, which we couldn't kill off and gave up a goal. Yeah. I just like, I, that's the thing that I I'm with you. Like some teammates will go, you know what? We all make mistakes, but I think there's guys on that Dallas stars team that would go, what, what were you doing? Like, yeah. what are you thinking here? Um, so it's a hard thing to come back from. We'll see, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm interested to see if they can force a game five tonight and then, you know, starting next year with the Dallas stars, what they kind of do with this. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm pr- impressed it's two games. I don't know how it couldn't have been two games because I think yeah. regular season, it's a little more than that. Yeah, no, I, I'm, and, with, and I'm with Cam, you. Cam, yeah. Y- yeah, we don't, y- you and I, you and I are clumsy. We fall a lot. We don't fall like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, when I fall, I take everything around me with me. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's the whole, the desk, everything comes down, the chair. It's this whole thing. So I'm, Cam often says, I'm falling, so I'm going to take this stick and I'm going to place it here to brace myself. I'd love to, I'd love to sit in those, uh, those hearings sometimes in the NHL uh, player safety department and some of the lame excuses that you would hear come out that are just like, yeah, I guess you'd have to sit there and listen because it's a hearing, but it's like, do you think I actually believe that that's what happened? Uh, like, I, I fell you know, forward. you bring up a good point. Like, look, I was falling and I went to brace myself. And then there's a panel sitting there with George Peros going, uh-huh, uh-huh, I see. Um, while you were bracing yourself, do you feel like you could have done it any other way? Or if they're just like, if they actually go, come on. When you began to aggressively push down in a cross-checking motion with your stick on the neck of Mark Stone, did that have to do with you falling and trying to brace yeah. yourself? I'm, I mean, did that... Once- once brace, did you notice the stick was on his throat at all? Or it didn't appear did, uh, you were really falling in that direction and, up until the point you decided to cast- drive forward. The Costanza comes in. Was that wrong? Because I got to be honest with you. If I would have known that was wrong, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. All right. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Get to a couple of your guys' questions. And uh, Jim, I'm going to ask you this question too, and we'll, we'll save it for after the break when we come back. Um, how do you feel about Bobrovsky's contract now? Is a $10 million goaltender worth it? We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, the $10 million man has shown up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky has been absolutely outstanding um, in this postseason. Uh, look at his numbers, 9.35 save percentage goals against average so far this postseason, 2.21. Uh, he's been an absolute stud and a big part of why the Panthers are onto the onto the Stanley Cup final. But I ask you the question, Jim, and, and I'll answer it for myself first, and and then I'll get I'll get your response on this. Um, Ten million dollars. Do you do you, how do you feel about Bobrovsky's contract right now? And I'll tell you this: I still hate his contract. I still don't like it. I look at how well he's done in these postseason, and I go, yeah, it's it's finally paid off uh, in the big moment when it means the most, which is fantastic, and it's great, and you love having him on your team. But to say that you still don't regret signing this contract, I I, I, I still don't think it's a good contract for the team. I don't. It Right now, it's real paying off in dividends. But it's like, what well, is it? Yeah. Go ahead. It's it's not um, a good contract, and there's two more years at ten million dollars, and he's 34 years old. But look, he he could have done this at seven or eight million. Um, he wasn't starting for the past couple of years. He's missed a number of games, uh, and and this contract has cost them. Now it might have worked out that way, but it's cost them Jonathan Huberto. It's cost them Mackenzie Weger. Um, these are players that they wanted to re-sign and couldn't fit in. And and both those guys, I believe between Huberto's new contract and Uyghurs in Calgary was going to cost them $6 million total. Um, and instead they got to Chuck at 9.5. Now they win the Stanley Cup. That, it depends how you view it, well, exactly. right, Cam? If they, if they win the Cup, but, who cares? But like you say, you don't like it, the contract. I don't like the contract. He wins the Stanley Cup and then he's a dud again for two more years. 
there's not many hockey people who go, is money well spent? We won the cup and we don't care about anything else. And I understand that. But no, this cap has cost them several really good players and um, it's interfered with them. But I, I just don't think you can spend $10 million collectively on goaltending or collectively. I think you could spend eight or nine. Um, it's not a good contract and it won't be for the next two years, but again, we'll see how he plays next year under it. But this right now a, it's, he's worth this every is a question. The Winnipeg jets are asking themselves right now. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. Jim Tother, take you all the way. Right. You're gonna take us all the way till three o'clock. And then, uh, I will do that. And then Jeffrey Forche. Thanks for producing the show, bud. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.